Welcome, everybody. This is How to English Teach and Learn with Gaffer It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal, and references will be given when necessary. Can you hear that, Gav? Is that the wind? It's very, very loud. Well, you know, we should record the pod indoors next time. <laughs> yes, well, we are indoors, but we may need to just mention the fact that there's a big storm going on and you might hear a bit of <laughs> in the background. There is a lot of background. So hopefully it won't distract the followers from today's show, which is all about development. Yeah, I like this topic, Gav. We've already talked about qualifications in a previous episode, one before last, and that was only the tip of the iceberg, I would say, because you get your qualification, okay, you can be a teacher. Is this the tip of the TEFL iceberg? Yes, it is. So it's it's your way in, it's your foot in the door, it's the way to get a job, it's it's great. But it's not the end, is it? It's not like you can just sit back and think, right, well, now I know it all. Now I've done everything I need to do because teaching doesn't work like that. Well, it does for some, M. Well, that's what we're going to talk about, Gav, isn't it? I guess so. Who is our guest today? Can you introduce this special person, please? I can. And I think it's great to lead with this person because they will set the tone, the topic, our conversation can be all around our featured guest who is Carolina Cunha who's been teaching for 20 years and runs her own language school in Brazil which offers personalized English classes including business and conversation classes, proficiency exam preparation, translations from English to Portuguese, proofreading and also teacher training for foreign language teachers and freelance proofreaders. Now the reason we wanted to feature Carolina on this show was because she wrote a great article which featured in Sao Paulo's chapter of Brazil Tessel magazine, Born Teacher. The article is titled, I am not overqualified for this. Lessons learned in time. And I'll put a link in the show notes for everyone to read the article. Great, let's listen. Hello, I am Carolina Cunha. I'm an English teacher based in Brazil, and I've been teaching English for over 20 years now. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article called, I'm not overqualified for this, lessons learned in time, where I share my experience with being, feeling, actually feeling overqualified to do my job. So put simply, being overqualified means having a job that demands the skills and abilities which are way below of what you are actually able to perform. And that's what, that's what I was feeling after so many years working in an English school and not seeing the results of my actions. The demands um, of my job were so high that I had that feeling that I was overqualified to do what I was doing. As teachers, the one thing we know for sure is that our work is never complete, right? We never get to tick off the endless to-do list as we constantly have something new to learn, an activity or teaching tip to share with our peers, 
or maybe a new strategy or resource to create. So this is the true nature of our profession. And it takes a few years into the profession to better grasp that aspect. So 20 years ago, when I started my teaching career, I thought I had a linear path to follow, starting the journey, the journey in college where I got my BA in English, then teaching in a few language schools until I would finally become a coordinator. And there it was, becoming a coordinator was my ultimate goal and the proof of my competence and the years of hard work and dedication. But as the years went by, it dawned on me that the path was anything but linear. I discovered other passions and ended up taking the road less traveled. And that made me um, more knowledgeable about other things and more eager to learn even more. So. Along with the applied linguistics curriculum, I also studied French, German, social linguistics and literature in college. And after graduating, I put my teaching career on hold to take a semester off in France where I worked as an au pair. And I came back to Brazil eager to resume teaching. And I started teaching in an English school that did not really offer me enough opportunities to grow as a professional. So I decided to go back to university and went on to pursue a master's in social linguistics. And I also applied for a job in a better school where I was able to improve my teaching skills and enhance my CV by taking the TKT and the CELTA. So finally, I felt like I was in the right place, you know, where I belonged until it didn't feel like that anymore. And it started feeling like I was overqualified to do all the things that I was doing then. So we've all, all of us have been there, I guess, seasoned teachers who after some years working at the same school, having to perform these administrative tasks and eventually settle, settling into this repetitive routine. We are just overwhelmed with all sorts of feelings. And there are some teachers who adapt really well to this new situation and they actually um, settle down to their comfort zones. Other teachers like me, uh, they feel rather uncomfortable and they try to find ways to get out of this situation. So that's what I did. I started reading different things and, and uh, talking to my peers and people who had different careers and different paths. So I finally discovered Carol Dweck and the growth mindset. So according to Carol Dweck, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. And brains and talent are just the starting point. So um, these words, these, um, this mentality of growth mindset really involved me and I decided to do something about my situation. And after some time, after 10 years actually working in an English, in that English school, I decided to quit my job and become a freelance teacher. And that, just thinking of that gave, would give me butterflies in the stomach after years working for English schools and having this quote unquote stability of work and a paycheck. 
what I didn't know is that becoming a freelance teacher would open so many doors, so many opportunities came to me, to me as soon as I decided to do something about my situation. So I was able to notice a significant change in my feelings towards success, happiness, and the sense of accomplishment from my job. Um, I started working with students who needed personalized classes. So I decided to design classes for my students. And in that moment, all the knowledge that I had uh, came into place, you know? So years after this major change in my life, I came to the conclusion that I'm definitely not overqualified to do what I do. And I never will be. Uh, my 20 years of experience, plus every single course I've taken from drama in high school, German in Munich, and the most recent ones, um, I took a developing materials in London, and I took another certificate, I specialized in education. They made me the professional that I am today, and they will contribute to the professional that I will be some years from now. So after all, do access becoming is better than being. So I think I'll be forever becoming for that reason. And it feels great. I love learning new things. I learn, I love meeting new people and learning about their lives, genuinely taking interest in their lives. And that's what I love about being a personalized teacher, you know, teaching tailor-made classes. And I think all of my background makes a difference at this moment. And I love sharing this story with my peers. I love talking about it. And I'm always open to discuss this topic because I think we are forever learners, right? Thank you for the opportunity. Bye-bye. So thank you very much, Carolina. That was really interesting. I love the way she described how quite a linear path in her teaching career, from getting her BA to teaching in language schools and then becoming a school coordinator. Later, she returned to education, studying other languages, sociolinguistics and literature, and putting her career on hold as she became an au pair, which I think Kat mentioned in episode two, yeah. season three, and it was similar to her TEFL career. So you really don't know the direction that your job will go as a language teacher. Yeah, this links really well back to that episode about TEFL and EFL teaching in general. So this is a nice extension of that. I think Carolina really highlights different types of people and how that really affects what you do and how you feel in the job because some people are happy to just keep going and they're comfortable in the uh, the routine and knowing everything they're doing and the materials they're using. I've seen teachers just keep recycling the same lessons again and again but there are people that are thirsty for development and they really want to push themselves mm -hmm. so it's a very personal thing and it's you know your own journey and it's whatever you feel right and whatever you want to do but I get the feeling Carolina's a very ambitious and driven person mm -hmm. because she's uh 
constantly thinking about what she wants and how she can improve. And I'm sure her students benefit from that attitude. Absolutely. As Carolina described, she then returned to university, uh, did her MA and then did a TEFL certificate, TKT and CELTA, and then returned to teaching in a language school. Yeah, I'm really glad that Carolina reconciled the fact that that doesn't necessarily mean overqualified because you don't want to feel like you're wasted in a job. And I think that that can happen if you do so much training and you get all these qualifications and then you're still, in quotations, just a teacher. I I don't think that's the case at all. I think we are amazing people that are constantly learning and we naturally maybe have or we just say to ourselves, right, I need to do something to make my teaching better. Mm -hmm. But it's never wasted. I think all of these things go into your lessons and just make you an amazing teacher. And I mean, that's in itself just such an incredible achievement. I agree. And that's what we're going to talk about a bit later. Some of these skills and qualities that TEFL teachers have that they take into the classroom. So from the article and what Carolina's just told us, what also resonated with me was where Carolina described after some years of working for a language school, as teaching becomes repetitive and predictable, I guess teachers go one of two ways. They either just accept and focus on all the admin work that typically comes with teaching, or they think to themselves, now is a good time for me to step out of my comfort zone which is exactly what Carolina did. And she talked about becoming a freelance teacher and eventually opening her own school. Yeah, it takes courage to do that. But everybody I've ever spoken to who has done that never regretted it and saw it as a real turning point in their development and teaching career. You know, you can take control, you can have everything on your own terms. So it is, I could say, a natural stage that you would get to maybe but then I still see the comfort of having a contract with a company and having that stability and safety net there. And schools often offer training as well whereas if you're freelance you'll have to look for the training yourself and enroll in some courses, conferences. Which you still can do, that's all open to you I think. Every school I've ever worked for that offered training did invite external teachers from outside you didn't have to just work there to be part of it taking the initiative is more difficult if you're not already part of a community of teachers within a school so what does it mean to step out of your comfort zone em did there come a time in your career where you thought i'm ready to learn something new or maybe i'm a bit bored of my current position in this language school i I always took training when it was there. When I worked for a company, I always would attend the training and I always enjoyed it. And it would be a big draw for me if a company offered it out of two choices of a company that had it or didn't have it. I would always work for the one that did. I saw that as a real bonus. But as for actual taking steps myself to change my teaching I I must admit I am a comfort zone advocate unfortunately. I think that's one of my one of my failings maybe 
So what does it mean, Em? What is your comfort zone and how do you embed yourself within this space? It is. It's, it's the familiar lessons. It's the knowing what I'm doing. It's the thing, you know, thinking I've done this before and I know how to do it again. So you have a stock of lessons yeah. and then you return to them every time you have a new class yeah. or when you have a topic, you know exactly what materials to use because you've used them many times before. Yeah, I think I do improve on those materials, but they are the core same ones. But also the method or the the way of teaching does tend to be the same. So for me, when things, it's external things that cause me to change and I'm forced to develop as a result of that, for example, you know, going online. So... That was a huge comfort zone break for me. That was like my comfort zone wasn't even recognisable anymore. So stepping out of the classroom and into an online sphere mm, yeah. meant that you had to what adapt. Yeah, to... change the materials to be computer compatible. And also the whole way of teaching online is so different. You're not in the room. So for me, that was something I didn't really want to do at the time but now I've done it and I really enjoy it and I'm thinking I don't want to go back to how it used to be face to face I'm really happy to continue online so you have a new comfort zone I have a new comfort zone that's what happens to me I just shift comfort zones and then reluctantly have to move again and that seems to be the way it goes for me what about you Gav what would be your well hold on what so do you find new materials that maybe inspire you or do you have books or are you really just using the same materials that you used when you started teaching? Sometimes. Honestly, now, this is the other thing with the whole EFL universe. So what's happened actually is I'm now having to tailor my materials because I've got new groups and new students who work for companies or industries that I've never taught before. So as always, you know, I've got a huge stock of resources, but none of them actually apply to what I've got to teach. So again, you've been forced into yeah. this situation. Yeah, there is a running theme here. I do it reluctantly, maybe. But <laughs> when I have to, I do step up to the challenge. This is something that is inevitable in TEFL, because you will get new classes, you will get different groups, different individuals and Maybe you will have to tailor those materials, as you said. Yeah. Yes, it's a it's a bit of a love-hate thing with me because I immediately have a new student and I think, oh, right, okay, it's aviation or something. I then think of all the overwhelming amount of research I'm going to have to do and all the reading and the learning. And inevitably, I look back on that and think that was a really rewarding and interesting experience. And I'm really glad it happened. Mm -hmm. But it's just that initial fear, maybe, or overwhelming feeling of, oh, I don't know anything about this thing. So yeah, that for me is, in a nutshell, how it works. So now I'm looking online at how to use automated vehicles in warehouses and how to fix them and all the different parts cool. of uh, these machines, which, yeah, really didn't know anything about before. That's fascinating. What about you, Gav? What's your comfort zone? Do you have one? I feel like you're constantly making yourself step out of your comfort zone. Maybe that's just the, the impression I get, but I get the feeling you don't like being comfortable. I do get a bit bored repeating the same materials. But as you said, you can adapt them, you can 
customize them to the individual or the class so they don't have to get boring and I like to maybe utilize a part of a book or a page or an exercise that I think will be really really useful just because it comes up in the lesson one of my students starts talking about the interior of their car and I say hey I've got a worksheet about this because I have so I have a quite impressive collection of worksheets and exercises that I can suddenly whip out on the internet and uh, work through them with my student, which I think they enjoy. So you just react from the student all the time. I think that's your strength, definitely. But do you say, for example, a student does suggest or come up with a topic that you haven't got an amazing worksheet for, would you then make one for the next lesson or just find something that you haven't looked at before on the internet and use it immediately in that lesson? Yeah, I, I might just go online and, and Google whatever the topic is and we work through some article online. Yeah. Or I'll say to the student, give me some time, I'll prepare something and we'll look in detail into this next time. So that's how you spice it up. I think so. I think that's very brave to actually work online in real time. Like, oh, look, this is something about that topic. I would be so scared to do that <laughs> in case there was some, you know, bad language or something really complicated that you just couldn't explain. Or... Sure. Yeah. Same comfort zone, comfort zone, comfort zone. Yeah, but I do get a little bit bored just working through books. Sometimes students expect it, especially low-level students, and I think it's quite comforting for them. Yes. But... For me personally, if they're pre-intermediate, intermediate plus, then I think we can be a bit more spontaneous, um, mm. make it a bit more natural, a bit more realistic and, yeah, use the internet. Yeah, yeah, good. I can't really say I've had very long periods of being bored or I haven't felt that for an extended period, which is why I love this job so much because it really doesn't get boring for me. But... Maybe I've just been lucky that my students have had interesting jobs or something. I imagine if you spend years at a school that are using the same books that don't update the books and you're just doing the same level maybe and just constantly repeating that couple of pages in the book, it would be awful, wouldn't it? It would be really hard. I think so. But for some teachers, maybe that's what they enjoy. Maybe. We've all got different comfort zones. Mm, yeah. It's funny because one person's comfort zone could be another person's prison. Mm. Something to think about. That is. Em? Yeah. First of all, I want to know about these skills. So what skills do you bring to your classes from your development, from your training, from your personality, from your background, Em? What skills do you take into the classroom? <laughs> oh, Gav, even these on-the-spot questions. Um, What skills do I bring? I think I'm quite creative, so... I make quite nice materials that look visually attractive. I think I'm quite approachable and friendly, so students tend to feel quite relaxed with me. But that's maybe something I've learned as well, the etiquette of speaking and waiting and giving time to answer questions and all that. You know, maybe at the beginning I was a little bit more impatient. So you learned how to show interest and... Listen carefully, respond to the students' points. Yeah, an elicitation. Um, what is elicitation? Getting the student to explain things and guide them, but also get them to explain and describe what they're talking about more. Rather than you tell them all yeah. the answers and to yeah. everything. Exactly. So I think 
I've learned that from training as well and mm. honed it over the years. But if you were a banker or an engineer in your past life, your pre-TEFL life, then you could take those skills into the classroom. Absolutely. I think there's a whole spectrum of teachers out there that have got backgrounds in different industries and it's really useful. Some jobs that I've had that I can use design or even telemarketing it all comes in handy when you think about a student you might have Mm -hmm. so having a background in a specific industry like i don't know architecture banking pharmaceutical you can bring all of these skills into the classroom and with a tefl certificate you could be a fabulous teacher yeah um how's your admin work i'm good at admin yeah yeah yeah, I'm, I'm very organised. Keep track and make notes constantly. And I very, very occasionally make mistakes. But on the whole, I'm good. So it's something you excel in. Yeah. Well, that's pretty excel good. Excel in Excel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. It was just so tempting. I, on the other hand, am not so good with admin work. Has it got better? Have you developed from the beginning of when you started being a teacher? I think I have. I'm definitely getting better at my admin work, but I'm still one of those people who leaves everything to the last minute. Mm. So, you know, when you're invoicing at the end of the month or you need to send some emails to people, I tend to leave it to the last minute, which is not good because then I'm under pressure. Yeah. And if you're under pressure, you tend to make more mistakes. Sure, but maybe practice Makes it easier. Practice and pressure. (laughs) Yeah. And being around people who are also very organised and you can get a few tips off of them. Mm -hmm. True. So how do you continue to develop your skills, Em? That's a good question, Gav. Now I'm working for companies that don't offer the training as much. So I feel like I'm not pursuing it. I need to maybe go online, find some online training and... Yeah, just do it. Are you slipping back into your comfort zone, Em? Yeah, yeah, I am. I think that's the problem. Time to shake things up? Yes, maybe it is. As I said, I think that the actual lessons themselves are pushing me to develop. But I've always really enjoyed training and going to workshops, learning from other teachers. I think talking to other teachers is always good and finding out what they're doing, reflecting on what they've said thinking about how I would do that and maybe if I've got a similar class, doing things they've done. Mm -hmm. So you're in contact with your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, I've got friends that tell me about what they've done, so that really helps. And if you're lucky, you might be able to observe a lesson or two. Yeah, I haven't done that for a long time, but yeah, that would be good. And also to be observed as well always pushes you to practice your A game. Mm, Nice. And I've got another question for you. Tell us about a training course you enjoyed. Um, the one that stands out in my mind is one that was, again, very much out of my comfort zone that required all the teachers to teach something in front of each other. Oh, participating in the training. Yeah. Nice. So we had to give a five-minute mini-lesson to other teachers and then the other teachers critiqued us on what we did well and maybe what we didn't do so well oh that's pretty harsh it was yeah including body language and moving your hands a lot and saying uh all the time oh no like your hands are really distracting and you kept walking around why did you not stand still during that presentation exactly so that was amazing because at the time it was 
scary and really awkward and a bit embarrassing. But actually afterwards, it really, really helped and made me feel quite good because what I thought was that I was this sort of mess of mumbling and distracting body language but actually most people said no it was all fine you came across really well so it actually gave me a real confidence boost in fact but I would never in a million years have volunteered to do it it was just that we were in that training and it was sprung on us so we didn't even have time to leave and you know say oh I'm just going to make a call and run away it was just there you had to do it that's fantastic we should do a whole episode about observations and feedback because that's yeah. really important. Yeah, it's a good topic. How do you feel about training courses, workshops? I really enjoy watching the way the training is presented. So I actually like watching the teacher presenting more than the training itself, which can sometimes be a bit simple. And after teaching for many years and doing many training courses, I might have done that training before. Right. So it seemed a bit familiar. But the way that the teacher presents the language or presents the activities, I actually find that quite interesting. I do too. I think it's unfortunately sometimes not presented in a way that is engaging. So you can actually learn from what they're doing wrong as well as what they're doing right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. A lot of training I've attended does present the information in quite a boring way, even though the topic's quite interesting. I don't know why that is, why they're not practising or demonstrating how to teach something through the training as well. It seems Mm. almost sort of too theoretical sometimes. Yeah. Could you tell us a little more about your resources that you make? Because you... You hinted at that earlier, and I'm really curious to know, through your creativity, as you mentioned, what kind of things do you make? They're worksheets, really, but when I say visually attractive, I think there's just pictures, basically, and it makes it nicer to look at it. But I think the questions as well, tailoring the questions, making them a bit more personal to those specific students helps and I know you're really good at that Gav you're really good at making questions really yeah have you seen some of my worksheets I have you've given me some of your worksheets (laughs) and you're very good at making funny interesting questions that I would never think of Hmm. one of my favorite ones is you did a worksheet about phrasal verbs and you wrote the question which shoe do you put on first And I just thought, wow, that's just not anything I've ever thought of. And every time I've ever asked students that question, they've just looked absolutely stunned, like, well, I actually don't know. You know, it's like they've really (laughs) had to think about it. Sure. Because if you look at worksheets in some of the more popular language course books, you find they're not very personal. They're not very engaging. So, yeah, just write some of your own questions And if you can put it into a worksheet, maybe you can have a student A copy, student B copy, where they've got different questions. Email them if you're teaching online or print them out. Give them to the individual students if you're in the classroom and they can ask questions to each other. And so often it's really funny because my students read the question and the other student says, I don't have that question. And I say, yeah, you've got different questions because I want you to listen to each other. It's like a real conversation where you have to pay attention. Yeah, so I think your skill definitely is inventive questions. I think one of your other questions was, is the price of bratwurst going up or going down? (laughs) Which is great, great question. Thanks. Finally, I just want to ask you, because we're on the theme of development and I know moving 
beyond making your own worksheets, what about designing a course, M? Yeah, super stressful, but incredibly rewarding when you've done it. I have done it, um, not very often, but I've done it for a media course that I did that was strongly directed advertising and marketing. And I also did it for a high-end fashion store. We did a lot of vocabulary about fashion and store layout and all of those very specific things. That is very specific language. Talk about hangers and aisles and shelves and... P.O.S. Point of sale posters and stuff. Yeah, wow. I love that. So basically, I just came up with a ten-block course, and I put in each block what I thought was relevant about how to deal with customers, and then another one about how to describe clothing. You know, one to talk about trends. So basically, just something in each box. But then each week, I would have to come up with two hours of materials to fit that topic. Wow. Quite a challenge, yeah. That sounds fabulous. It was really, really enjoyable. Did you check with the students what they wanted to study? Yes, yes. So that was how I formed the course plan. I asked them all what they needed. They all gave me their feedback and then I made the course plan. That was the easy bit, to be honest. Um, It was more sort of week to week, having to get all the resources together. Mm. Lots of fun, really good and really up to date as well because obviously fashion... What's the expression? Moves fast. It does move fast and what's fashionable one day is out the next. So I had to definitely keep it up to date. Couldn't use a book from, you know, 1995 for that one. (laughs) Although fashion does come back round again, so it may be. That's true. Wait long (laughs) enough, it'll come back. (laughs) All right, and thank you for answering my questions. I feel that we did cover some of the important aspects of development although there's plenty more so I'm sure we can come back to this topic another time so unless you've got anything else to add M I guess we can wrap up here yeah we can wrap up just again apologize for the cracks and creaks and wind and noises in the background bit of a storm again yeah it's really windy at the moment so just to wrap up everybody please take a look at Carolina Cunha's links. You can find her on Instagram and there is also a link to her school and the services they provide. And also check out the article about being overqualified, which is really interesting. Em? Yeah. Do you want to introduce our grammar teacher or learner for this episode? Do you remember what the feature's called? Teacher, teacher teach me. me. That's it. It's not very musical, is it? We should work on that. This week's Grammar Point comes from Gayatri Education Care, and it's all about present simple. So let's take a listen. And then I'll see you next time. Okay, see you next time. Hello, everyone. Kamlesh here. Hope you all are fine. As for one of my friends, wish, I'm here to explain the simple present tense. Let's take a look quickly. The simple present tense. Do or does. The simple present tense is when you use the verb to tell about things that happen continually in the present, like every day, every week, every month, habits, permanent situations, and truth. We use the simple present tense for anything that happens often or is factual. Example, the boy goes to school daily. I go to school every day. I always get up at 5.30 a.m. He lives in New York. The sun rises in the east. Thank you. <laughs>